probably just questions about you and basketball, you know, I mean, questions people didn't ask me about you and basketball, you yep. know, and you know what I'm saying, so I didn't kind of store a lot of questions in my mental Rolodex over just this past year, you know, since I've been coaching with you. You know, I, I, and the, the funny thing is, coaching with you this year. Hold on, you want me to record? I mean, you can. Go ahead. All right, bet. Go. Let's get it. All right, coach. But yeah, as I was saying, you know, this year coaching with you, I, a lot of people approach me and ask me questions like about you. As far as basketball, as far as coaching, as far as playing, as far as you know your past, you know when I it's, it's funny for me because a lot of people kind of look at it like I interviewed for the job, you know you didn't really know who I was, you know and you know you hired me, you know because you know you heard about my background or whatever, you know so. When I'm talking to people, it's like, man, they don't even realize, like, I kind of was, was in that whole process, and I, I got to take this call, okay? Yep, cool? yep. What, what's up, son? So just her, you know, I think 
being a baller, having me around basketball, wanting me to play is, is how it all started. And then obviously uh, over the years developing a love for it um, and then just never growing away from it. Uh, you, you touched on your mom. Uh, I, there was a rumor that she she was pretty pretty tough with that basketball. You want to touch on that just a little bit? <laughs> as far as I know, it, it seemed like she was a she was a good player. Uh, I'm not really sure uh, how much time she got. If she was a big time scorer or not, she always talked about how she can hoop, and uh, I remember playing with her. And, and watching her shoot, and I thought she had a, a, a funny style and how she shot. It was uh, kind of like old school. Um, but she always uh, talked about the fundamentals, especially with me. She always said that you know that you're that you're sh because you're shorter than others, but you can get by. I always want you to make sure when you go to the cup, you you focus on finishing and putting the ball on the backboard. And I remember her constantly saying that, constantly saying that. Some of the old tapes of my uh, games, she would say, you could probably hear in the background saying, backboard, because she would always focus on that when she took me to the park. Um, so I, I think she was a, she was probably a good player. Obviously, in the times that she grew up, she grew up in, in uh, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, Dermot, Arkansas. Uh, so it was a lot different. You know, you didn't, she didn't get those opportunities to, to play. Uh, blacks really weren't, weren't didn't have that that uh, that privilege. So especially being a, a female, also and being a female as well. But uh, when they moved up north, I think she had a better chance. And not only that, she had brothers. She was the baby girl. She was the baby of the family. So uh, she had brothers that was ball that were ballers. So I think she, she got a lot of tips and a lot of her love for the game from them. Uh, as far as I know, one of my uncles, his name is Willie Joe Davis, and he was a, a lefty, and they said he had a lot of game. And uh, just me talking to him, he talked about how he tried to have all of his brothers and sisters playing. And he said my mom was really the one who really uh, – really went up under his wing and just kind of rolled with it and fell in love with the game. Uh, so when they when they mentioned like old school players, uh, Willie Joe Davis, if you ask an old head, they might remember him. Uh, you, um, with, with that being said, with, with your mom, you, 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 that was pretty instrumental having your mom giving you that, the, the nuggets, you know, throughout your basketball career, I take it. So she, she pretty much was pretty solid in forming that, that mentality that you have, I take it. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, and then just the people that she, she had me around when it came to basketball. Not to mention, I always heard that my dad was a, a, a really great ball player as well. Um, so I think with both my mom and my dad being ballers and then the folks that I grew up around, uh, and then obviously watching them play at Lincoln Park, some of my cousins played. Um, she she was definitely an instrumental piece. Were, were there um, were there any other sports you know that did you participated in growing up? Yeah, very 
young, I was playing football, uh, played baseball with uh, Frank Neighborhood Project. Um, and that was really, that was really about it. Just growing up, that's what we had, football, basketball, baseball. And those type of games obviously went on during the summers. Uh, and they got like the summer rec program. There were all of those, always those games that would be going on. I didn't get into baseball too much because that ball was coming way too fast. Uh, but I did like the game. <clears throat> Football, I loved it because it was, you know, you know that aggression. And, um, that's how, when you were in the hood, that's how you can kind of prove that you were tough or that you can hang. You playing football and they playing killer man. <laughs> you come up out of there, you run over a couple of cats. That's how you kind of got your your toughness and your street. Especially being a small guy. Especially being a small guy, and you get your street cred, your street toughness, uh, credibility from your from your homies. At, at what um, what age did you first start playing, like organized wise? Organized started playing when I was six years old. Six years old at the CYC, you know, Saturday morning games that a lot of kids are are, are, are now playing at the Boys and Girls Club. So uh, I remember that like it was yesterday, playing for the CYC Sixers, uh, practicing twice a week, uh, Saturday mornings, the games, just, <laughs> it was like one of the greatest things ever to be playing in a little packed gym, which seemed like a big gym at the time, with screaming fans and, you know, it, it was just great memories. Did, did they have the, the score-out rule when you were playing? They did have the, they did have the 21 rule score-out or the 20-point score-out rule. Uh, if you, once you score that many points, you got to sit down. So, um, Earlier on, I didn't have, I wasn't a big scorer, so I, that never came to me. I think maybe late when I got into the fifth grade, uh, that's, that's when that whole 21 rule came about. And in sixth grade, we had such a tough, uh, had such a tough team that I might have scored out maybe once or twice. So, so in fifth grade, that team you were you were probably considered the, the man in, in fifth grade. So you you were you were more offensive. Yeah. And in, in sixth grade, you had a squad around you, so you became more of a facilitator. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fifth grade, I was uh for whatever reason I happened to be the best player on the team, uh, and we had some. We had a big guy named James Cook who was on the team, so he was like a good rebounder. And um, uh, Troy Booker was my coach at the time. And cuz, big cuz. Yeah, so it, it just—I think it just happened organically where you know we were we were a good team, and I guess from what I can remember, I, I probably could be could be considered the best player on that team. We ended up beating, uh, we ended up beating Toll Free Squad in the championship, and they had a dominant team. They had my my, my older brother Jonte Young, they had Sammy Torres, they had Larry Varnell, 
toll free. I mean, they had a squad. They were the kings, CYC kings. We were the CYC Hornets, and that was fifth grade. And I remember them being like, I think they went undefeated all throughout that season, fifth grade. And uh, I think we might have lost to them. Or we, we might have been in different divisions, but we met up in the championship. And I remember this is when they used to have the games at Carthage College. Yeah. I was about to ask you. Yeah. That was big time, right? Yeah. And we were one of the last games of the night. So when we beat them, uh, and, and whatever, for whatever reason, my brother had gotten in trouble earlier in the day or something like that when he was at, at the CYC playing around where they suspended him and he couldn't play that night. And it was like a big controversial thing. They're like, oh, y'all don't want us to win or whatever. And we ended up beating them by like two points or something. Like it was a great game. And you would have thought, for me, when I'm looking back on you, would have thought confetti was falling from the ceiling and the We Are the Champions was playing. It was just, <laughs> it, it wasn't no confetti, but it felt that way. So, so it's fair to say that even even at a younger age, you had a, a, a real good basketball IQ. Because like you just said, in fifth grade, like you knew you were the man, so you had an offensive game. Where in sixth grade, you were surrounded by more offensive players. So you sacrificed being the man for giving up the ball and getting other people involved. And then that's big at, a, at an early age because, I mean, honestly, me personally as a basketball player, I never noticed that. <laughs> but I can just be honest with you, when I, when I play basketball, and I, I play CYC basketball also. Yep. So, um, my goal was to score out in the first half. St. Joe's, and we knew St. Joe's because of 
uh, Nick Van Exel. He was the biggest name that we had heard that went there. And you are talking David Tolfrey. David Tolfrey, yeah. So we decided that in the sixth grade. And what's crazy is my, my, my pops, my stepdad, had got me a job working at Precisions, which was owned by Terabasis. And we knew, or we knew of, that the Terabasis would help kids go to St. Joe's. And it was, it was, we heard that he may have helped Van Exel. So once I got this job there, me and Tofree in the sixth grade was already trying to plan it out where, look, free, if I meet this cat, Terabasi, I'm gonna invite him to a game. And if he see us, maybe we good to go. Even in the sixth grade, we thought that if we would've went to Lance Junior High School, we would have a better chance to go to St. Joe's. We just thought that's how it worked out as kids. We didn't know. Uh, but, however, that's where we plotted that out. Now, to just like fast forward from talking about Van Exel, who really was the big motivator for us to go to St. Joe's and say, all right, it's a done deal, is Curtis Tolfrey. Because Curtis Tolfrey was actually going to St. Joe's. He had transferred from Bradford to St. Joe's. To play football, correct? Yeah, to play football. Yeah. And he also played basketball. And then uh, what was a big, what, what was like, what really sold us on it is we were going to his football games as like little sixth graders. And it was a big guy that was standing on the front bleachers cheering on Tolfrey, Curtis Tolfrey. And he was making some jokes and saying, boy, who you got, who socks you got on? You out there killing us. And, you know, just, just rubbed me. He's like, man, this cat really looking, you know, really cheering on Big Cubs. So, eventually, we got to meet this cat, and that cat was Andre Speed. Okay. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that when you lie, you <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, then you fast forward to the basketball season. We're just going to the games. Curtis Tolfrey is playing on the basketball team. So, now we're really motivated. We said we can be a Curtis Tolfrey and Bobcat. It was Bob Hayes. So we was like, we can be, we can be Kurt Tolfrey and we can be Bob Hayes when we go here. We plotting all this out, not even knowing that we have a chance to even go there. Wow. And yeah, so that's kind of how that played and spiraled. Because then we did get the opportunity. Uh, and I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself with your questions. But then, then we did get that opportunity, of course, where uh, we wanted to invite Mr. Terabasi to one of our tournaments. And we passed the word on. And this was sixth or seventh grade? Sixth grade. Sixth, sixth grade. Wow. Yeah. And then we passed the word on, and um, he didn't end up showing up. But TV did. And Tina showed up to the game. After the game, she was like, yo. TV, Tina, about to pick up. Yep. Yep. And yeah, she was the controller of precision. Exactly. Like we're working. She was like his accountant, basically, yep. running his company. Yep, running his company. So basically, we were looking for him to come, but then she showed up, and she was like, yo, you got some game, man. Your little skinny friend, he got some game, too. How about, since it's your birthday, invite him to the, to the shop on Monday. We'll have some cake and ice cream and talk. And then that's how that whole thing kind of formed a relationship. 
So when we moved over there on 37, I was crying because I was like, man, all my guys on the south side, these cats is going to be hot at me. And I'm living over here on the north side. Now I'm going to be a north side. And I was crying as a shorty. I'm fifth grade. And you probably had to, that whole thought of, now I got to come over here and play ball with these guys. And battle with these cats. And I'm just a shorty. And so I, 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 I say all that to say that while, you know, we didn't have workouts we play all day long, and you play 21, and you play, we, some cats come from Chicago and say, no, we ain't playing 21, we're playing 32. And I was just a shorty, so, hey, I'm going to play whatever. And then on top of that, when you talk about ball handling skills and all the little workouts they were doing, you got your ball handling skills in 21 games because you play those all day long. And I can remember me figuring out that I have to be a good defensive player and I got to keep my, my dribbles low as a shorty uh, because um, Tell P, Martell, that's on the north side, he would always call me Lil' Timmy Hardaway because he said I kept my dribble low and I did the boom, boom, that little quick little crossover. So he started calling me Lil' Timmy Hardaway. And then that just, that just stuck with me as I was like, okay, let me master this move. And I just would do that the whole time. So, uh, so fast forward to seventh grade year when I moved, when I was living by Frank School my sixth grade year, and then we moved back uh, in the Lincoln neighborhood on 68th. <clears throat> I used to, when we were living by Frank, I used to go from Frank, walk from Frank School to Lincoln Middle School to go to school every day. And some of my guys, they lived over there too. So we will be playing basically one-on-one -on -one from Lincoln Middle School to my house and just dribbling the ball and we playing defense when we rip now you on defense going back and forth when we rip you on defense we'll switch it off that's how we worked on our handles all summer long we was going from 68th street to 55th street 68th to 55th street anybody crib now you get a couple of your guys now it's three y'all and if you can remember remember that long strip uh during the chrysler plant from 63rd to uh, 65th or whatever it was, that's a long strip. One many cars are going down there. And so it'd be like two or three of us and we in the street. <laughs> Dribbling, handling. They playing defense. They rip. Now you hop on defense. So that was like our workouts, to be honest. We didn't have no ball handling workouts where we were going. But to, to answer your question, I guess, yeah, by the time we got to ninth grade, I think that's when we, maybe eighth grade, that's when me and Tolfrey started to do individual workouts. And to, to kind of uh, bring things full circle before you probably even get to that question. Uh, I think maybe around seventh grade is when we probably met you, or eighth grade, and that's when we started talking about basketball and that, that importance. And I think we even, might even went to I don't know what years those were, but I know as it advanced on, we got to see you play college basketball uh, at Indiana versus uh, Parkside, if, if I can remember right. But I could be off a little bit. Um, but anyways, just talking with you about getting better as basketball players, as well as a bunch of other people, uh, but a bunch of other people didn't have like exclusive time with with us like you did 
so just talking about the game and then doing workouts, I think eighth, ninth grade is when you, you know you started to get a little serious and it started going. Well, that, that that's called Lincoln Lincoln Middle School. Yep. How how was that experience on the court? Were, were you were you considered in your mind one of the best in the city when you were playing against these other middle school teams? How, how was your performance? Honestly, I, I felt like I, I just played on a, a good team with, 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 with really good players. I can't even say that I was the best in the city because I felt like we had so much talent. I always thought we had the best team. Uh, seventh grade year, we went 12-0. and 0. We was undefeated. We chopped everything. Uh, and it was me, Tolfrey, uh, uh, Darielle Hill, Francisco Amador, Matt Johnson. I mean, we had some talent. We had the Deaton Twins. Keena Johnson, this is all on one team. I just named eight guys that played in the state tournament for two different schools. Two different schools, yeah. And that was all on, that was just all in Lincoln. Yeah. So we, we had a talented team, and I didn't know, I didn't know how good I was, but I knew that our team was the best in the city at seventh graders. What, what about travel ball? When, when did you start dabbling into, like, getting out of Kenosha, playing other people your age that's not from here, and seeing how your, your talent stacked up against theirs? Uh, I think that started, like, really in sixth grade. I will say this. In fifth grade, I tried out for a team. And I can't remember the name of the team. It might have been Kenosha Raiders or something like that. Uh, but I, I tried out in fifth grade, and I got cut. I got cut. Me and Tofree went to tryout together. First of all, my grandma was just totally against it because the tryouts was on Sundays, and she didn't want she didn't want me missing church. Uh, but me and Tofree uh, went to tryout. I got cut. He made it, and I still came to the practices. Still went to their. I went to their practices on Sundays, and I'm just like, I got my shorts. I, I actually, here's what's so crazy. I had on my uh, Saturday morning CYC Hawks game jersey and shorts that the coach gave me at that practice, red. And I think at the tryouts, me and Tofu, we were both on the same team, on this Hawks team in the fifth grade, and we both had on that same outfit. And I can remember it was a couple older cats, because uh, I think they had two grades trying out or something like that. Um, I can remember some older cats laughing at us about, you know, us wearing that Saturday morning uh, jersey and shorts. And anyways, we got, I got cut, he made it, and he would, I remember him being mad all the time because he said he never got in the game. Him and another dude named Casey Houlihan, who eventually went to Lincoln Middle School and Junior High School with us, both of them cats was like the bitch warmers on that team, never got in. And I can remember telling my mom eventually that I got cut. I didn't make the team. And she just was trying to talk about, look, you just got to work hard. You got to be using the backboard. She was big on that. And she said, at some point, those same people that cut you will be wanting you to play for them. But you got you to gotta really want this. I didn't get that at that time as a fifth grader. Uh, but later on, those words did come true because those same people that cut me wanted me to play for them. 
so sixth grade is when we, we I tried out for another uh, travel basketball team and made it. And then we started to venture off. I think the farthest place we might have went was uh, Minnesota. As a youngster. Yeah, yeah. Then seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, you you stayed playing on travel team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I honestly wish we could have made the decision or had the knowledge to make the decision earlier to be with a shoe team. At that time, it was totally different. You couldn't just pay money. You had to actually have some some hitters. And our junior year, we got to play one year on that shoe circuit. We played on the Nike team. And, and th- th- that's when we got to match up against players that were in the magazines. But sixth grade is when we started, when I started traveling and playing. And so that, that junior year, that summer, and you were playing on a Nike team. Yep. And um, I will say that would be the summer of 2000. Yep. Yeah. Houston Hoops or somebody. 
but this little dude throw it up to him and he, he slows down a little bit and then he just take off and he go raise up boom dunk on a seven footer body to body and one and we look at him like oh yeah we can use him we we good we good and this whole time everybody had been pumping him up pumping him up like this little cat from chicago he got a lot of game and they just talking him up we didn't know who he was Afterwards, you know, he getting the interviews with the TV stations and all that stuff, and this this guy became or was known is known as Will Bynum, Ill Will, Will the Thrill. So that just tells you what type of team we had. But that I I can vividly remember that, and I remember uh, New York. Um, but when we saw our junior year, uh, 
uh, in the Peace Jam, which is the biggest tournament in, in the country that, that, at that time, uh, a team from Milwaukee, the Playground Warriors, ended up winning that tournament. And they beat Tyson Chandler in that tournament. And we had battles with Playground Warriors, me and Tolfrey alone, just when, since we were sixth graders. Travis Diener. Travis Diener, Joe Tucker, uh, all of them. So we, like, once you think about it, because you try to you try to look back like, man, we've been balling against these guys for the longest, now we're going into our senior year. And you think about all the guys who played over the summer. And then you think about the fact that uh, the Playground Warriors won that Peace Jam tournament. Somebody from Wisconsin, you got these teams all over the country. They won. That just put a little motivator in us. Because then now you roll into your senior year, and they got you rated as one of the, they, they used to call it the Fabulous 50. So it's the, it's the best 50 players in the state of Wisconsin. And we were on that list. So after coming from that summer, uh, even before that summer, you know, we went to the state tournament, lost by one as juniors. Then we go and have that summer and battle it out against the best players in the country. And then now you go into your senior year and they saying that you're, you know, one of the 50 uh, best players in the state. And I, that, that was like a big time motivator. Then you got college coaches calling you and taking visits and all that. It was just, I think that was a motivator. And then it was also something to say, okay, get in the lab, get in the lab, perfect your craft, get, really get after it. So your, your junior, your, 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 your sophomore year, you got to come off the bench for a senior. Now, you, you, Arguably one of the, the, the best players at your age as a sophomore um, in the state. Uh, you're definitely one of the best players of, in high school in the city, any grade. And um, you, you're definitely the best point guard as a sophomore in the state already. You're the best sophomore. Seven back in for me. 
So for me, it was just like, okay, this is a part of the system. Uh, you know, I get in when I get in and I produce. And um, like I said, it, it wasn't much for me at the time. Uh, just because that's that was the norm. That was how the system was played. Um, you you seem to always be able to, to see the big picture. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I got in minutes, two, three, four minutes after the game started, and and then I never came out. So it, it wasn't much of anything to me. It was just something that was that that was the norm. And I know some of my friends. They really disagree with that decision. Uh, players that we played against throughout the city really disagree with that decision. But ultimately, you know, it was left up to the coach. And it, it was what it was. Do, do you think now, um, now that you're a coach, you know, and, you, and you're, you're a high school basketball coach, coach at your alma mater, you're coaching the same, you're in that same position. Yep. Um, feel that that might have made the season different? Do you, do you feel that with you starting, you guys may have had a better season than the decision that was made? Uh, honestly, that's, that's so tough to say. I, I really don't know. I, I mean, if you, you know, just, just listening to what you said, if you, if you take in consideration... Um, yeah, it was all of the above. And really, it had a lot to do with that first job. My my agent, I remember him, he kept telling me that you're not a college point guard anymore. Um, so don't think like a point guard. You're, you're a professional. And the fact that you're an American uh, heightens, um, heightens the stakes a lot more. He said, don't be a college point guard over there. Be a pro basketball player from America. And I didn't I didn't get it at first. I said, look, I'm averaging 17 points, 10 assists. Uh, they've won more games since I've gotten here than they did. They didn't have any wins before I got here. I said, dude, what are you talking about? They got big billboards of me all over the place. I got this place cracking. But... Um, I needed to score more points. And as an American, yeah, you need to be scoring 20, 25 points, 30 points plus a game. I can remember the very first game, or one of the very first games that I played. The first game that I played, we actually won, which was like a day after I got there, which that was just crazy for a 13-hour plane ride over the water. But it was one of those games where... Uh, I don't know, we're down or we're tied or something. Down one maybe. I had got a couple buckets late. And now I get a double team. And I give it up to one of the national players that was from New Zealand with like three seconds left. Next thing you know, he get a ball right back to me. And I got to shoot it with like one second. And I didn't understand that until uh, – there's a guy named Josh Pace who used to play for Syracuse when uh, Carmelo Anthony played and they won the ship. And he was playing over there as well. He explained to me, he was playing against his team. He explained to me that if my man would have shot that shot, he probably could have lost his job because he's a national player. 
if he would have missed that shot, he said he got more pressure. He said, but for Americans, they expect for you to take that shot, even if you double teamed. He said, because as a professional, everybody look at you as like the Michael Jordan, that you're going to hit those game winners and so on and so forth. And I'm like, what? That don't even make sense. He said, I know. He said, but so many of us have come over here and done that same thing, you know, and lived in those moments. He said, so you got to take that shot. He said, squeeze that double team and, and take that shot and maybe you make it because you have a better chance than they do. I was like, wow. So at the end of that season, I ended up averaging, I think, like 17 points and, and 10 assists, but it wasn't enough. And then they didn't sign me. They didn't re-sign me for the next season. And that's when my agent was like, you remember all season, I'm telling you that, you know, you can't be a college point guard anymore. You got to score more points. He said, if you want to have longevity in this game as a professional, you're going to have to put the ball in the hole. And that's what changed me after, you know, after uh, my first year as a pro. And then you probably went from, what, 17 to 25 a game? Yep, yep, yep. Actually, um, the next country I played in was uh, Uruguay, and I averaged 28 points. Uh, I remember there's a big fella that was playing there. He said, how are you averaging 28 points with all mid-ranges? He said, you giving them all of them 28s. I was like, yeah, I don't know. They crowd me. I'm getting past them. I'm not getting down there by y'all. I'm just pulling up, man. And I ended up averaging uh, 28 points, and then it lead me to my next job, and my next career, uh, my next job, and it was, I averaged like 31, and and then from there it just fluctuated between 25 to 30 points. I made sure I stayed in that range. And, and you and you play how many seasons overseas? Um. I played in six different countries uh, in a total like of nine years. Then you come back to Kenosha and, and you play some professional semi-pro ball here in Kenosha. You help um, upstart a team here in your home city. Yep. And, and what was that like? Um, being a here and, and doing that. That was actually, it started in between contracts. I was waiting on a contract. I think I had came from uh, Canada, and I was waiting on a contract. So I was playing with, originally, um, Lake County Stars. So I was playing with them, and we were just getting blown out and dominated. Um, and I was like, dude, our our JV team, we we could be playing in this and and do well. And it was me and Big Tim Baines playing on that Lake County Stars team, just dominating. I would have 40, he would have 30. He would have, I would have 30, he would have 40. And it was just like not enough help. So that's when we kind of introduced the Kenosha Ballers, I mean JB, into this IBL league or IBA league. And they gave us the name Kenosha Ballers. And, and then from there, I was basically using you know, Kenosha Ballers to play in a legit league to get me legit stats, you know, legit film so that I could continue playing professionally and getting paid. And um, as well as uh, trying to build that awareness to my teammates, because I felt like a lot of my teammates on, on the Kenosha Ballers could play overseas. So it was me uh, preparing myself to continue my pro career 
as well as me trying to build that awareness for some of my teammates that I really believed in. Um, and, and then I was also trying to prove a point to my teammates as well so that they can understand how professional basketball works. Because uh, I can remember uh, some of my teammates, uh, you know, disagreeing with with, uh, with with Coach T. Moore uh, at the fact that I shouldn't be playing as much as I should. And I remember they were saying, like, even, you know, even LeBron got a, got a sub out the game and saying things like that. Um, so me, you know, proving myself that I'm in good shape and I, and I earn these minutes because I work out daily and, you know, this is a job for me and so on and so forth. And I don't think me saying that and then me proving that, you know, I can play defense, I can score, and I'm still fresh at the end of the game. I don't think that was enough to convince my teammates that I should be playing that many minutes or that it's even doable. So I put four of my teammates that I thought can play into a conversation with a couple of overseas coaches to see if they wanted to come and play. And I told them, ask any questions. And I said, how about ask questions about playing time that you guys dispute when I come home that I'm playing this much? And they asked those questions. And the, and, the, and the coaches from overseas is like, we expect Americans to come over here and play 40 plus minutes, 48 minutes a game. No, It was like, with no subs? He said, with no subs. You guys are professionals. And we, we pay you the most money. We expect you to come over here and play the whole game, every game, all 60, 70 games in the, in the season. And these, yeah, these dudes couldn't believe it. They thought they thought that, you know, T-Mobile was just making up something. But that's how, that's how it was. And that, and that had to be, you know, a challenge to you also, you know, to, to have basically your peers – and your teammates, you know, kind of, kind of challenging your your position as a player. Yeah, that 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 was challenging, uh, um, because I was playing for something, but at the same time, I was looking up to a lot of my teammates uh, because I liked some part of their game that I wish I had. Um, I know that I always uh, really admired uh, Tay Dolly's game, the lefty point guard. Just, I thought he was a phenomenal point guard. I thought he probably one of the best point guards out of the, out of Kenosha. To be honest, I just felt like he didn't get the the opportunities that all of us all of us got uh, for whatever reasons. Um, mm -hmm. I thought so much of him that if you look on one of my, uh, I don't I don't got it here, but if you look on one of the UW Green Bay programs. It has the whole player profile, and it has, like, different questions that they gave us, and they answered. And one of the last questions says, if you can trade places with anybody, who would that be? And in that program, I'll show you when we're together. In that program, it says that I would trade places with Deontay Dolly. And everybody wanted to know who this guy was. You know, other people talking about Michael Jordan and this person and that person. And I was saying him. Uh, I simply wanted to trade places with him because I thought he had a lot of game, but I didn't think he was get, he would get the same opportunity that I had. And I felt like if he could be in my place, if he could have this opportunity, I felt like he would really flourish. Um, and I was willing to trade places with 
with him so that he could have that opportunity. Um, but to look at all these different players that, that, that played on, on our team that maybe thought I was getting too many minutes, again, me admiring all them, I think – it was, uh, I think, a slight, a slight battle, um, but it was just something that 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 drove me to be a better player, to be honest. Because I started working out even more. I started running on the beach more. I started doing my pool workouts a little bit longer to make sure that I was in tip-top shape, so that it was never a moment where they see me like, "Damn, he tired. Get him out." And uh, that just lit the fire under me and kept me, kept me on my toes uh, all throughout. Yeah, because you you were when the the years that you were part of that roster, you were the only player or one of the few players that was really that played professional basketball before Kenosha Ballers, correct? Yep, yep. Uh, and I think uh, actually Devron, Devron Bostic had played uh, somewhere he had played, but he was trying to get back on. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I was trying to point out is that, hey, I'm on this team. I started this team with Tony Moore so that we all can have opportunities. And I'm actually leaving, signing contracts, and then I'm coming back. So if anything that I'm doing, you you probably should be trying to do what I'm doing so that we all can leave. Uh, I, I know that I always challenged my my teammates. And in one of my highlight videos that I have, uh, I, can, I, can, I can remember it saying, if all of you guys want to be pros or something along those lines, then you got to go out there and prove it or show that you're pros. Something along those lines, but basically, I was saying like you got to be in shape. You can't be drinking. So Timor always talked to us about not going out when we go on the road. Mm-hmm. And for so many years, I I did it. I picked up where all you guys left off after you guys left. We went to tournaments. We went out. We we kicked it. We hung. We played in the games. We played well, and we kept going. Uh, but then it got to a point where I really took heed to what T. Moore said uh, because he broke it down for us. He said, look, you're special. Toll-free is special. You guys, you guys can hoop, play, do well, execute, produce, go out, drinks, have drinks, get some, get enough sleep and come back the next day and, and produce. He said, not everybody can do that. But if you guys are doing it and you're doing it with the team and they're not producing, but you guys are, they don't even see that they're not producing because you guys are and you're carrying the team. So they think they can do what you do. He said, if you ever want to win big, and this one we were struggling to win tournaments, we can get to the championship game, get to the championship game, but not win. And then one year, I just finally said, you know what? I'm not going out no more. And I stopped going out while we went and we went on the road. And I think that was uh, uh, maybe 2004. I remember, um, what's the guy from uh, Green Bay? 
Harry, maybe. Harry boys. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember y'all were in a tournament. Maybe it was 2010. I don't know. I, I just remember y'all were in a tournament. It was in Green Bay. And um, I drove up because uh, my, my guy stays in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And I went to that tournament and watched y'all play. And y'all played against his team. Mm-hmm. And um, the night before, all you cats went out. Yep. Yep. And y'all got embarrassed yep. that day. Like, yep. all y'all got embarrassed, and, and even Tony Moore. Yep. And i never forget because Tony Moore called me that Monday because he was about to hang up coaching. Yep. And there was so many people talking stuff at that tournament, and he should be putting this person, and he was about to, because he's like, you know, I do this for them. You know, I don't do this for nothing more than them and yep. to provide an opportunity. Yep. You know, and I talked to him and I'm like, bro, you can't quit. Like you like you like Mr. Kenosha for us. Yeah. Like you that person that for us black young men, you know, coming out of college, trying to get into college, you know, you providing that, you know, you taking us out of Kenosha hooping, you know, blah 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 blah. I'm like, bro, you can't stop. I never forget that term and that was what was said, like all y'all went out in yep. Green Bay that night. Yep, yep. That was, and that was a big part. And I stopped. I stopped doing it. And then we started winning. Uh, we started winning championships. And uh, I felt like and y'all really started winning them too. Yep. I felt like I had to continue to be the example, whether they did it or not. And um, and then that's and that was before the Kenosha Ballers. It was just around that time. But yeah that progression where we started winning it just made me kind of solidify that hey i'm not going out i'm not drinking we go on the road i'm i'm getting in extra workouts i'm going hard uh you know this this is the standard and everybody has to meet meet me here and and if you don't you don't but don't be expecting to play don't be expecting to have the same minutes that i have um if you're not doing the same things i'm doing and then you, um, what what made you just decide to just hang them up? Um, it, it was in my 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 uh, what year was that? I can't remember. So the ninth year of playing, and I had one of the biggest contracts that I've had offered to me, and uh, I had my wife in the contract as well, uh, where she could have been uh, teaching over there a couple of times a week, and. Um, I had to, I wanted to uh, put, work out a contract with my son's mother where did I have him for the summer uh, because obviously I'm gone for so long. So I wanted to have him for the summer and if she would have agreed to it, then I would continue playing. Uh, but in the month of May, when I sent her that contract saying that I want him for the summer, she, she said she needed some time to think about it. And by the time late July hit, and she never agreed to it, and I had to leave August third. I, uh, I end up going to the courthouse to to kind of file those papers and say, "Look, I need to, I need more time with my son." I met with my lawyer the next day, and she was like, "Look, if you want more time, we're gonna have to go to court 
and that means you got to be here. So if you're thinking about taking this contract and leaving in two days, I don't know how that's going to play in, in, in the courts. And I was like, oh. I said, I got to leave in a few days. I got this big, big contract. Urgh, this is it. I said, give me some time. Give me some, just give me a couple of days. And ultimately, that was my decision uh, or the reason why I decided to stop playing is because I wanted to uh, fight for more time for my son. Which is an awesome reason. Yeah. A, a, a manly reason. Yeah. So... That that led you to coaching. Yep. And, and and also, I was already coaching in between contracts every chance I got. I was the volunteer coaching at, at Tremper. Uh, my first my first coaching job before I left to go to New Zealand, I ended up leaving early, was coaching at St. Joe's. Uh, I was coaching girls basketball with, with Rocky Terabasi. I was his assistant coach. And uh, then I left, and then... Um, I was coaching at St. Joe's again on the boys' side. I was coaching my little brother with Greg Leach. He gave me he gave me assistant coaching job. Uh, actually, I was just volunteering, um, and I ended up leaving again to go play. And um, and then in between there, when we were trying to form the Kenosha Ballers, I was the head coach at, for seventh grade at Lincoln Middle School. And then the following year, I was the head coach for the eighth grade. The eighth grade year, and that that season started before the high school did. And at the same time, I got an assistant coaching job at Tremper, and then Tolfrey was the eighth grade coach at Lincoln Middle School, and uh, and then eventually when I stopped playing, I was a coach at Bradford, and then from Bradford, um, I got the same the, the head coaching job at St. Joe's, and all between that in the summers when I was coming back home every year, but between college and through the pros. I was uh, coaching travel basketball. I remember a lot of my money, yeah, my basketball money in my first few years uh, was going to travel basketball to, to the kids that, that, that couldn't pay for it, uh, to the kids that couldn't pay for uniforms, the kids that couldn't afford uh, hotels. Like we would pull up to a spot, uh, and one of my good friends, he reminded me of this all the time. We'd pull up to a hotel, everybody would get out, go with a coach to check into the hotel. They got their money, go ahead. And it would be a 15 passenger. We probably got 18 in there. And literally, no lie, four cats get out the van. And you got another, you know, 10 to 12 to 14 that's in there. I was like, dang, y'all ain't got y'all bread for the hotel? No, we good, cause we, we gonna stay in the van. Man. I'm like, damn, y'all ain't gonna stay in no van. Go in the hotel, grab about four or five rooms and make it happen. <laughs> and doing that over and over and over, I said, hey man, listen, I gotta, I gotta walk away from travel basketball. And I remember writing myself a contract, I used to keep it in my wallet, that if I ever join travel basketball again, uh, I, I couldn't be using my own money. And I think by the time I got to Wisconsin Evolution, the paper was all raveled and you couldn't see all the words on it. But I showed Jason, like, look, I said that if I ever joined travel basketball again, I couldn't be using my own money. I made a contract with myself and I said, I got to honor that. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's what's up. Yeah. So now you end up at St. Joe's, um, which, what you said in sixth grade, you, you always wanted to play ball at St. Joe's. Yeah. Um, played high school ball there, had a great career. Uh, while you were playing, you said you never really took the time to think about like individual goals or individual records or you never you never thought about um anything but winning a state championship you know um now as a coach um is that something that you think about like the legacy and 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 those type of things that 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 you can set being young being at at st joseph school that you graduated from um right here in kenosha where you grew up from and more importantly, right in the neighborhood that you grew up in. Yeah. Is that some of the things that you, you look forward to doing at, at St. Joe's? Do you, have you taken the time to look up the records or, you know, do some planning and creating your legacy at, at St. Joe's? Uh, d- definitely. That's That was one of my first thoughts, taking a job, is that it doesn't matter... Uh, who's on our roster? Our goal got to be state tournament, um, and that and that's still one of the goals. I think we have some potential on the team. Uh, we've always had some potential on the team, but I think uh, the potential that we do have has gotten better over the last two years, and I think we have a, a good shot uh, at you know trying to get to the state tournament, possibly this year or, or the following year. Um, obviously, it depends on how the cards how the cards lay, but it would be pretty sweet for me as a coach to go. Uh, I was hoping this year because this would be, this would, would have marked 20 years that we went to the state tournament the first time at St. Joe's as juniors. So next year would be 20 years from the last time we went to the state tournament as seniors. Um, so it, it it would be really sweet um, to kind of have like a 20-year uh, anniversary of, of being at the state tournament as, as, a, as a player and then now as a coach. I think that would be, that, that would, it would be some really nice storylines uh, to all of that. And I think it would bring, you know, a lot of the players that played in that state tournament with me uh, my senior year back into into and involved and engaged in the program i think it would i think it would be i think it would be huge it would be a big uplift for not only the basketball program but for the school uh for our saint joe's community Uh, that's definitely one of the goals uh that i have but again i strongly believe it comes down to uh you know the players and the parents and, and what they're doing to prepare before the season and how they're preparing before the season and then how they execute uh, during the season. Now, now, as far as coaching, could you see yourself coaching at a higher level than, than high school? Uh, are you comfortable coaching at a high school level? Could you see yourself coaching at a college level? Uh, most definitely. That's always been my goal, to be coaching in the NBA or coaching uh, at the college level. Uh, I always, when I was younger, I always wanted to say, you know, I want to coach back at the Division One level. 
I want to I want to read the headlines and say, Mom, I'm going D1 again. Uh, but, you know, the levels, they, they don't really matter. Uh, I know it's difficult to, to, to coach. Not difficult, but it's it's a little tougher to coach um, at the Division three level where you can't give out scholarships or Division two level when some schools can only give out partial scholarships. Uh, so I would love to coach at the Division one level to give a scholarship or offer a scholarship to a young man like myself uh, and just give them that opportunity uh, where they can kind of make it up out of their neighborhood and and be possibly the next Brandon Morris. Um, so coaching at the college level is, is definitely one of my goals. I had an interview at UWM a few years back as an assistant coach and I made it down to like the final, you know, the final two coaches. And, and the coach that got chose over me, he had experience in the game, a lot more experience. I think he had been coaching like nine years. I think he played maybe one year professionally possibly one or two years professional, and then he jumped into coaching. So a guy with nine or 10 years in the game at the college level to get chosen over me, it makes sense. Um, but yes, I would love, I would love to coach college basketball. I would love to coach at UW-Green Bay. That the, the head coaching job is open right now. I'm assuming they're gonna start doing some interviews pretty soon. Uh, so I would love to be an assistant coach up there. Um, at some point and then later on down the road when I'm ready I would love to be a head coach um, but that opportunity will come if it's meant to be if not um, I want to be a greatest one of the greatest coaches and have one of the greatest coaching staffs to ever to ever coach high school basketball not just at St. Joe's now as far as coaching high school basketball now is that something that you, if you gonna stay coaching high school basketball, you would do at St. Joe's, or what if it it was a shoe company school? Ooh. Would you make that that leap? Yeah, now that's interesting. I, I would love to make that leap because then that means you got your hands on the elite and the best of the best players and. But no matter what any coach says, like, I just want to be a coach in high school basketball. At the end of the day, you do want to have an opportunity to coach the best of the best players. And at one of those Nike, Adidas, one of those shoe team schools, coaching those best of the best players, you get to really test, uh, you really get to test your coaching skills and your intangibles and everything that comes with it because um, it ain't easy coaching high-talented players. Um, and not that it's any easier coaching, you know, a regular high school team, but to coach at that level is really special and it kind of shows uh, not just like that city or your surrounding area, but it, it kind of shows on a national level uh, what you can do as a coach. Mm -hmm. A lot more pressure. Yep. Not more pressure. You you said that uh, that you wouldn't mind coaching at the professional level. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you think that I, I would think that would be pretty challenging. Um, you think that would be a little bit challenging. I think that's you know with with the talent level and and now you you you're dealing with grown men who you know probably you know you may have half the team making more money than you. 
Um, have you thought of some of those challenges as, you know, being at that level as a head coach? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you, I, I thought about it all during my, uh, my professional career and, you know, uh, because all the information is so public and you get to see or know what player is making this amount of money. You know that the coach is making this amount of money and so on and so forth. So you already kind of mentally prepared for it or I'm mentally prepared for it. Uh, I think it would be a, I think it would be a great challenge for myself. That's one of the, one challenge that I would love to take on. Uh, obviously, when you're at that level, uh, for me, I think it's at any level. It's really about um, empowering, you know, the coaches that are around you because you're only as good as uh, your assistant coaches. And if your assistant coaches are really perfecting their craft and and looking to be head coaches. I think that's where you get the most success, uh, whether you're winning all the games or losing all the games. Oh, yeah, because if, I mean, and, and at most levels, and especially you see it a lot at the college level, and, and that's with most sports, whether it's basketball or football or baseball, whatever, the the universities that's winning, them assistant coaches, they end up at other major universities yep. as head coaches. Yep. They're always wanted, yep. you know. So, well, well, Brandon, I, I I think that was 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 great. Those questions. I just wanted. I just had one more question. Um, what do you think is the best thing that basketball has done for your life? Wow. That's a loaded question. I would say there's a, there's a lot of different it's things. It's a lengthy question. <laughs> excellent. Uh, excellent question, young Lindsay. Um, I think it has provided uh, competitiveness which you can carry any aspect of your life, whether you're in the working in the public sector, the private sector, um, anything, uh, I think it has brought me relationships uh, beyond relationships and and connections, and then it also has brought in, brought me um, some well-roundedness. I've been able to be in many different situations where I had to adapt to the environment that I'm in. I had to adapt to the people that are around me. I had to adapt to uh, many different situations. So it really put me, uh, you know, in a situation that, or in a life that allowed me to, to grow in different ways. Um, so basketball has brought so much to me. I, uh, I tried to imagine what my life would be like without basketball. And uh, there have been times where I got real emotional uh, just thinking about if basketball wasn't around and, you know, where would I be? Or who would I be? And uh, what would I be doing? And it's actually a scary thought just because uh, when you're looking at my family's history on my mother's side and my father's side, 
it's uh, who knows basketball I can say uh, just looking back I can say it saved my life so to leave us if you had one piece of advice to a freshman in high school who inner city kid want to make it in basketball might not be the tallest might not be to have the best game right now if you can give him some advice what what advice would that be mm. you got to be a student athlete you got to be a student first really fall in love with the game on the court and off the court ask for help early and often and figure out how to get better every single day whether you have to lose all your friends or put all your friends on pause that's that's, that's solid advice that's that's basically saying if you want it then that should be the only thing at the end of that tunnel that you're looking at. Make it a priority every single day. Well, Coach Morris, I, I really was looking forward to this, and I, I appreciate your time, man. You, you, you enlightened me with, with, a lot, with a lot of things, and I, I think whoever gets the chance to listen to this, you, you threw out some real good nuggets. Um, you are a player who got the opportunity to play at pretty much every level, you know, and you humbled yourself a lot of times. You shared experiences of when you were the best player possibly on the team, but still had to come off the bench. And you, you were the humble one and you let your game talk for you. You know, you, you, you shared experiences of being right there with the college thing and, you know, stuff going wrong and, you know, having that window almost closing on you where, you know, because, you know, some people may not realize you only have so much time to sign that letter of intent. And if, and yeah. if you don't sign that letter of intent within that little bit of time when the NCAA closed that window, it's closed. Yeah. You know? And you know, you you stay grounded and you stay positive. That's the one thing that I'ma take away from this interview is no matter what obstacle that you were faced with, you stay positive. And you always looked at the brighter thing and you made apple pie out of crap sometimes, you know. <laughs> But, but that's life, you yeah. know, you yeah. never look for excuses, you never made excuses, you just took the punches how they came, even if your people that were in your inner circle, and that's really big, you sometimes had people in your inner circle saying, hey, you should be starting, you should be starting, which that'll make you feel a certain way. Right. But you stay humble enough to be like, you know what? If it's meant to be, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I'm not about to be all in coaching. I'm not about to hold a grudge about it. I'm not going, some people would have quit. Yeah. You know, some people would have been like, oh, I ain't even planned it. Yeah. You know, but you stay humble, did what you had to do. That's very commendable. So, 
Appreciate your time, brother. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Great, great mentor to have, man. And the city of Kenosha, man, is, is delighted to have you around, man, because these, these kids, they attach to you, and you always, you always give them good nuggets. I mean, and you're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And when I, I mean, I'm the other day, I'm looking at, uh, it was like valid shoes or something in racine oh, like uh, i have heard of it so i'm looking on a website and next thing i know i see a picture i'm like that looks like coach morris <laughs> here you sitting in front of about 50 kids i'm like this boy is everywhere out in these streets with the youth but that's good man keep keep being you man and keep doing what you're doing for this youth man that's it's very powerful appreciate it appreciate it bro